Okay, we have to take the entertainment factor out out of it, you know, and just use it for what it is. It's teaching life skills, right? Hello, everybody, and welcome to. Do I need school to be? I'm Alex, and I'm going to sit down and have great conversations with people who are basically working, studying, doing life, and essentially learning. Because we're all diverse, we're all different. We all have different ways of learning, and I want to ask people how they learned to do the things they do. Yeah, sounds random, sounds fun. I hope it does. Because here we go. Hello, friends. So happy to be back in your ears. Yes, this is the first episode of season two. Now, what happened with season one? Essentially, this is a one-woman show. Like I, I do everything from looking for people to interview to editing the episodes. I, I do everything myself. I, I have somebody who helps me. Immaculate, thank you so much for all your support. But essentially, it's just me, and a lot of things happen between the end of season one, the abrupt end of season one, and now. Like my sister got married. I finished university. I won a circularity challenge. It, it was a lot, and I honestly could not give the podcast the time it deserved. And I wanted to keep the quality high, so I made the executive decision to give it a moment, take a breath, and now we're back with season two. And I am so excited with this first episode because it's with Coach Johnson. As many of you know, I do not love coaches. I've interviewed coaches who have thought they're amazing, but I think most coaches are snake oil salesmen. And that's why I'm so happy to have this amazing, amazing man on the show today and give him a platform to talk about. What can we learn from sports? Once we take the macho man attitude out of it, what we can learn from them? And he has an amazing story to tell. I am so excited to have him on the show. And I'll stop talking now and show you my conversation with Coach Johnson. Mm -hmm. And here we are with Coach Cameron. How are you today? I am doing well. Thank you for allowing me in your space. I really appreciate it. Straight from the United States, y'all. New York City to the Netherlands. I love it. <laughs> yes, this is a very international podcast, and yeah, like yours. Like I was on your podcast, and that also made it very international. Yes, and I appreciate it. Thank you. It was such a wonderful time, and uh, the kids enjoyed it. They're still listening. Some of them are still listening to it now. So I appreciate it so much. But okay, so before we start the questions, I have to come clean with you about something. Yes, I have. A problem with the word coach. I think the term you have so many coaches now, like on social media everywhere. It's like spirituality coach, business coach, creative coach, nutritional coach. I have so and I have such an apprehension to that term, and that's why I'm yeah. so exciting. I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you because you're from a like you're like the OG, like the original. <laughs> and I cannot wait to hear what you have to say and get your feedback on the people who just slap coach on the uh, on their social media and uh -huh. like I don't know maybe you're in favor of them we'll see like this episode can take us anywhere okay but no problem. Um, yeah so let's begin so please tell the audience who you are and what you're currently working on hi hello all of you welcome 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 uh, I am Coach Johnson <laughs> or people call me uh, a Coach Cam the kids call me Co uh, Coach Johnson but on in the social media circuit I am a Coach Cam. Um, you know, now I'm going to say I'm an actual coach, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i a teacher uh, for a middle school. Um, I'm also an athletic director, um, 
But my main love and passion, I started this all because I was a basketball coach. I coached Division II basketball for many years. Um, and now I do a lot of grassroots uh, programming to uh, make sure that our youth are prepared for, you know, basketball when they possibly get to high school, get to college, but also using basketball to teach life skills. I think I think athletics uh, teach us important life skills, communication, uh, teamwork, um, dealing with people we not necessarily don't want to deal with on a daily basis, but we still have to work with them anyway. Um, dealing with the ups and downs of emotional, you know, the emotional strains of a game uh, is something that, you know, sports teaches us. So a lot of things go into it and I'm just here to help them out, get them through it, learn, you know, how, learn how to deal with losing, right? And learning how to find the successes in losing is something that is important because as adults, a lot of us struggle with that because if something's not working out immediately, we automatically give it up and give it away. And that's a skill that you learn as a child. So I think sports definitely teaches us how to learn from losing, you know, how to get back into the lab, how to continue to work at things that are difficult for us to get better. So, um, yeah, and that's what I do. I have so many thoughts. Uh-huh. I, I have, it's, I think um, I'm going to start with saying this. I personally love sports. I am not mm -hmm. good at them. I mm -hmm. love them. Mm -hmm. I think the, experience like the sense of community you get like you can travel like in your in your podcast when, when i was in your episode we talk about traveling there right. is this sense of community that comes around sports that if you you're in china and you see somebody that has is wearing the same jersey that you are from the same soccer soccer team or football team or whatever i don't know why i say soccer i say football okay no, that's fine okay, it's that's both. Not, either yeah, way it works you're both. right either way yeah, yeah it's both yeah, it, It, you're immediately having the sense of community. It's something right. I envy. I come from Latin America, so soccer, like football, is basically a religion for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's this sense of we are in this together. Even if we're not playing the game, if we're, we're just watching it, it's it's this sense of union. My mm -hmm. my cousin has it with his son. It's I keep thinking, okay, they're going to have this bond for life. They're going to have this bond of watching this team together and then that will pass on through generations. It, it's a beautiful thing. And I read this book recently about social design and they were bashing sports and I was incandescent with anger <laughs> saying that um, sports are glorifying men and making women submissive, that they are glorifying the physically fit over the mm -hmm. disabled, that they are creating this us versus them narrative that it's toxic mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. again i was incandescent reading this i was reading it because i like reading things that i disagree with but i was mm -hmm. thinking like why is this mm -hmm. happening yeah you know it okay just based off that little quote i get it right there's such the dark side of sports right we're we're encouraging you know we we run out we spend all this money to watch quote unquote men run around and be sweaty and hit each other and bump each other and throw things around and arr, male uh, masculine energy, right? And, uh, you know, if you look like this, you have to look like this in order to play sports. You got to be a certain way in order to look like sports. I get it, right? You know, all the stereotypes are based off of something that happened, okay? Okay, now, for your listeners, I'm going to tell you right now, I am 5'11". I, I don't have a six-pack. I don't have these bulgy muscles or anything like that, Okay. But I did play Division II basketball, and I guarded power forwards who were about 6'8", 6'9", okay? 
And that didn't come from having such a physical dominating body. That comes from a mentality that I have, right? It's a mentality that you develop while playing sports. The mentality is, I don't care what's in front of me. I don't care who's in front of me. I have to do something to accomplish my goal. So this person may be bigger than me. This person may be stronger than me, but they're not going to be smarter than me. They're not going to outthink me. They're not going to outstrategize me. You know, so that part of sports always gets missing because we're so worried about the physical. We're so worried about what we see. Okay. Perfect example. I, I love how you brought up like how, you know, sports transcends language. Sports transcends culture, right? You know, you, you talked about the kid from China. We both had the same jersey on. So we're in the stadium jumping up and down. We can't speak, but we know sports, right? Perfect example is this. Uh, I just saw it on social media. Um, they had the uh, Paralympics or uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think it was the Olympics per se, but it was two teams in wheelchairs playing basketball, right? So we're in a society now where... I can look at that and I don't see people on a wheelchair playing the sport. I see two teams playing basketball. So the person did like a move in the wheelchair and the other person like fell on the floor with a wheelchair, right? We, we would consider that, oh, that's a good move, made a crossover, right? Now, 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have put that up, right? Because that's not cool. That's not what sports is supposed to be. It's supposed to be these dominating gladiators. But we are now figuring it out that you can develop self-confidence. You can develop ability. You can develop teamwork. No matter what your level is, no matter what your position is, no matter what's going on with your life. And that is the real, true value of sports. Okay, we have to take the entertainment factor out out of it, you know, and just use it for what it is. It's teaching life skills. Right. Uh, Not everybody's going to get it learning math. Not everybody's going to get it uh, writing. Not everybody's going to get it um, reading because you can hide all of those things, but you can't hide if you're not good at sports. Right. So it forces you to get better. Yeah, totally. And it also forces you to. I I think it's like, for example, I do CrossFit. Okay, it's Mm -hmm. like I started CrossFit at the end of November. And like I said, I am not good at sports. I am not. I don't have I have fine motor skills. I don't have like gross motor skills. My they're Mm -hmm. very bad. But it's that Mm -hmm. thing that I you have to keep trying. It's it's not like if you cannot do something, they offer you a scaling option. Like if maybe you cannot do the full thing, you can do some of the thing. And it's a right. satisfaction. It also helps you trust your own body and be like, okay, I thought I could. It's that connection mind body. It's like this mm-hmm. is what I think I can do. This is what my body's telling me that I can do. And mm-hmm. learning how to be in contact with being like we talk. I think a lot of mindfulness is something that we talk a lot about in. Like social media, if you look, look hashtag mindfulness, you'll find like a thousand things about yoga, about meditation. But sports also gives you mindfulness. Is that having that contact with your body and how it's moving and how you're going to figure out the next section, how you're going to move and how you're going to respond to the signals that you're being sent. Like there are a lot of aspects in sports that are, like like you said, they're clouded because of the mm-hmm. whole macho narrative, the entertainment side of it. So I love that you have that pureness to looking at sports for the good things that they offer and let's face it sports have kept a lot of people from doing very bad things if you have a me, child from me, a... me. Oh, there it is me there it is no, like I, I can tell you like my best friend my, my best friend didn't even try weed until he was 31 mm-hmm. because even though he came from a very complicated background and has a very in from a very dangerous part of the city where he lived in and he was exposed to everything like drugs, violence, everything. He thought I cannot do drugs because if I do, I cannot compete. 
and I do martial right. arts. I cannot be drug tested. I won't do drugs. And he was so right. focused on training and stuff like that that he never went until on the on to, into the bad things. So there is right. that. That is also something that sports can do. Sports can enrich communities in a way that sometimes we forget to acknowledge. Right, and it it's it organizes you, right? Sports sport, sports will quickly organize you, uh, keep you keep you in a mindset mindset that you need to be successful. You know, just like you said, your friend said, oh, you know, I can't, I'm going to get drug tested, I, so I can't do certain things, right? But think about, I want everybody to think about the day of a student athlete, okay? And I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the, the top, like, 5% who actually make it, make it into the league. You know, I'm going to talk about in the regular, like, my life, like, regular day of a student athlete, okay? I woke up 6 a.m., practice at 7 a.m. After I practiced from seven to eight o'clock in the morning, I went to class. Went to class all day, had lunch. After lunch, I went back to the gym to do shoot around for an hour. Went back to class again, then had practice from four to six o'clock. Came back, had dinner, had to complete all my work till about 10, 11 o'clock to make sure I get to bed if I finished my paper in time. You know, we all didn't finish our paper in time. If I finished my paper, to get up and do it all over again. And that was my day. And that is a student athlete day that and that's just for practice. That doesn't include when you have a game at seven o'clock at night. OK, you travel on a plane for two hours to go fly to a game to play that game for two to three hours. Get back on a plane at 10 o'clock at night to arrive back into your state at one o'clock in the morning to go to bed to make sure you're up again for class at seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning that you must attend. Because if you have a certain amount of absences, your professor will fail you. Like that's the real life of a student athlete. Okay. We don't get not all of us get, you know, NI uh what they call NAL deals or whatever the deals are where you get sponsorship and all all those things, you know what I'm saying? That's the real day. That's dedication. That's work. So you take that work ethic into real life, you're gonna be successful because you're constantly grinding, you're constantly chasing it. You know, and that and that's the part like nobody talks about. Nobody that's the part that nobody like thinks about. It's just that grind. You think we just glorify. We just go into the stadium and perform. We still got to get our classwork done. We still got to show up to class on time. We're held to a higher standard, rightfully so, because we are representing universities. We're representing our school because we're wearing it on the front of our jerseys, right? But we still got to get the other stuff done. And sports teaches us that discipline where we can still do that, but also be a student, student athlete first, so... You know, I, you know, some people don't, don't get into that life. It's, it's, it's tough. It's hard, but it's worth it. it. Teaches you that discipline that you need. It sounds like an amazing experience. And I, I think it's sad that we only decide or the media only decides to highlight the dark side of it. Being like, oh, mm -hmm. students are just getting filler classes. They're graduating with bullshit degrees or mm -hmm. they are being treated like celebrities or they are immune to uh, what's it called? Um, academics or or ethics or, or whatever, like they're not talking about the students that actually take advantage of that opportunity, many of whom would not be able to go to university if it wasn't for sports. And exactly. but it, I think it depends really on how you frame it. And I think if we decide to focus on the worst cases and the worst scenarios, then we're always mm -hmm. gonna find terror, like the, the entire story becomes dark and we can do it for everything. We can do it for politicians, we can do it for economics, we can do it for races, we can do it for genders, we can do it for, everything so i love that you have this different perspective and that you're bringing that in 
So how did you get here? So now we see like I you told us a little bit about your story about what was your day to day when you were a student and how. But yeah. did you always had a passion for sports or when did it start? Like how how did you get into the sports? And okay, yes, my well, boyfriend has my boyfriend has a hat who says sports. Like doesn't have a team, <laughs> it just says sports. And um, I wear it proudly when my hair is not looking great. <laughs> well, see my my journey is very uh well i'm not going to say unique because i don't know many people you know i don't know everybody's story so i'm just going to say my story is unique to me and it's how i got here and i'm very proud of my story looking back on it so how i got into sports is just you know growing up you know especially in the united states especially in my neighborhood only way out was if you made music if you were a rapper or if you played sports that was the only way out Okay. And I'm not going to say, oh, I was from the hood. I'm not from the hood. I'm a suburban kid. Like, let's not, you know, but that was always the narrative, right? As a black male, the narrative was you're only going to be successful if you're in a sport or if you're going to be in music, right? So what did I do? I wrote music and I played basketball. Well, first I played soccer, but then I switched to basketball because that's what all, everybody in the neighborhood was doing. Um, and I'm also a bigger kid. Like I'm, I'm a big guy, you know, I'm not, you know, obese, but for athletics, I was considered the big kid. So the big kid always had to play like power forward or center. You weren't allowed to be like the point guard or the shooting guard. Like you were designated, even in sports, they had like those little boxes they put you in. So I had to make a choice through my life. It's like, do I pursue this for real or do I just, you know, uh, let it go by the wayside. But I loved it so much. I was so passionate about it. I found such joy just going out to the schoolyard and playing. I found such joy, um, you know, watching it and figuring out and thinking about strategies and things like that, that, you know, I just pursued it. I pursued it. Uh, didn't play in middle school. Didn't make my middle school team. Didn't make my high school team. Um, I, I played for like this little Lutheran league uh, around the, you know, around my neighborhood. Wound up being six man of the year, went to nationals, won New York State championships, playing in this little league. Uh, and then had the opportunity to go to college, right? And the way it was set up was that they gave me, you know, money to attend the college, but then also, you know, I had the ability to walk onto the team. Never played high school, never played middle school ball. I'm walking on a college team. Coach don't know who I am. And, you know, you know, he's like, well, I'm not sure. We don't know who you are. And I said, I'm not leaving. I pretty much told him I wasn't leaving. Like, I sat in his office for an hour and we're like, listen, I'm going to be a part of this team. He's like, well, you're not in shape. Well, you know what? Run cross country. All right, fine. I'll run cross country. But if, if it's going to help me get on the basketball team, go run cross country. And his exact words were, I'm going to break you. Like, he put me on cross country to make me quit. Exact oh, wow. words. And I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a fast forward a little bit just on this story because I know this all sounds crazy. I love Coach Cav to death to this day. Like, that's my man, 100%, you know, like, because after after having conversations with him, I understood why. He wanted – he was – we call it – we call it um, – he was testing my temperature, right? He was checking to see if I really loved it as much as I said I did. So I ran cross country. I threw up all over the place, was running in meets. I had no business. I never ran track, nothing. I was like, all right, fine. I got to be in the basketball. I run cross country. It got me in shape. Unfortunately, I messed up my knee doing it, but he came to me that season. I had to sit out my freshman year. I tore my ACL. Uh, I was in shambles because it's like, it was like, oh man, I can't, you know, 
I'm not going to be able to run, so I can't play. He pulled me in the office. He said, listen, you're on the team. He said, I literally put you in cross country because I thought you would quit. But just knowing the type of person you are, like the similar, the, the stories you, you gave me, right? The story about how they saw the type of person you are and they allowed you in the school when you were on my podcast. Mm-hmm. Similar, he was like, yeah. listen, I saw the type of person you are. I saw you worked hard and you really, you really believed you belonged here. So, you know, you, you, you're on the team. So I wind up walking on Division II uh, basketball team, um, you know. Uh, and then later on my senior year, I, earned, I wind up earning some scholarship money, you know, because of my persistence. Um, had no inkling. I didn't want to coach. I didn't really like look at coaching um, like that. I coached my like, like say like the Lutheran league I was in before I went to college. I coached a little bit uh, just because I had that opportunity. Um, but I was like, I'm not really going to coach for real. I'm going to play basketball forever, right? And I would always like complain about playing time to my coach. I'm like, what are y'all doing? You know, you got to give me a chance. I know I'm not going to go in there and score 30 points. So while I'm complaining in the office, he would draw something on the board. He would go, oh, what do you think of this? So then I'll start breaking down the play and, oh, he should have cut back door and it released the lever on this guy and he'll switch. He's got a stunt. And I'm just giving him like, inf- I'm feeding him information. And I didn't even realize. He was like, you know what? Take this tape home, break it down, come back. You know, and I'm breaking down the tape and I'm frustrated, right? But not realizing that he was prepping me for four years. He was prepping me. So fast forward to senior year, um, everybody's getting accolades, you know, first team all conference, first team all league, MVPs and all these other things, right? We walk out to dinner, you know, you have like this big gala or dinner at the end of the year. So we're walking out and he pulls me aside and he goes, all right, so um, I need you to go out and recruit this kid, this kid, this kid. Um, you're on my staff next year. Like he didn't even ask me, do I want to be a coach? He said, I'm on the staff. I'm paying you. So that's how I became literally, that's how I became a college coach. <laughs> really? Like, like, yes. Like literally, like my coach was like, okay, so you're on staff. I need you to go do that. He just started giving me assignments and I'm looking at him like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, you're, you're on my coaching staff now and you're going to do this, this, and this. So that's literally how I got into coaching. So wait, all, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait a second. Give me a moment to yes. absorb all this and to understand yeah. that you got a job you never asked for. Right. I just yeah. got a job that I never, I yeah, mean, I you, had been, you had been groomed for it. Like this is the right. good side of grooming people. This is not the bad type of grooming. You were being groomed for this job. I didn't even realize it. I didn't even realize it. I was so busy fussing about playing time and wanting to play that he was grooming me to coach. Like he saw, so... The other thing about sports, right, you see, or in any field, you see something in somebody that they don't see in themselves, right? My coaches were patient enough with me to realize that this may not be the path he wants, but I know the path he's going to go down, right? So he was grooming me for it until I made that realization, like, you're going to be a coach. You're going to be in the game. You may not be playing, but you're going to be in the game. You're going to be in the ball. I mean, I started, I could, I coached Division two basketball for eight years after that, you know? Um and I could have gone. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, tell me, tell me, you could have gone. Oh no, I could have gone longer. I just made a, a choice. Like I wound up having a family and things like that. And now, I haven't even gotten to that part of my story yet. But I just, <laughs> my story is so like, so, with that part, right? What also happened is my coach was also a PE teacher, and this is how I got into this is how I got into teaching, right? Because so I didn't really know what I wanted to do afterwards. I wanted to play basketball, but I was always good with kids. So while every while he was sending, wow, like I'm talking about this right now, and this is like bizarre, like while I'm talking about my life story out loud, while he was sending everybody else to like basketball camps to get better, he literally 
sent me to where he works and worked the summer camp. And he said, here, this is where you're going to work during the summer. I was like, all right, whatever. Like summer camp, summer job, right? This is where you're going to work for the summer. Because I see you, because we would have camps and whatnot with the kids. And I always like gravitated to the kids, helping them out, whatever. He's like, this is where you're going to work for the summer because you need a summer job. All right, cool. I need money. I'm not going to argue with you. I need money. So he's literally, he sent me to the camp. The camp loved me. I worked at that camp for like 15 years. Like I worked there from college all the way through. So through that camp, tell you, okay, I know everybody, I'm sorry, I'm bouncing around all over the place, but I need you to understand that the power of sports and networking, it may not always be about getting into being professional, but it just leads to other things. And this is how it led to other things. So the camp liked me so much. Everybody liked me there so much. Okay. Now a woman at the end of my uh, undergrad, a woman walked up to me and said, Hey, what are you doing? Um, after you graduate? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea really. Like I was literally sitting there trying to figure this out. And I swear to you, I promise you, everybody's like this scroll. I promise you. The woman said, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to call Sarah Wilford. She's expecting your phone call. I said, okay, but, and I'm going to transfer your information. I like you. I like what you do here. I love your energy with your kid, with the kids here. This is what you're going to do. I said, okay, fine. So I am literally that summer. I was going on a vacation. I don't know where I was going on a vacation with my family. I literally get a phone call while I'm at the airport. This woman, Sal Wilford, calls me and says, hey, Susie said that you was going to call me, but I'm calling you first. Welcome to Sarah Lawrence College. This is what you're going to do. When you come back from your vacation, I need your transcripts. I need you to, your, uh, I need you to fill out the application, and I need uh, your diploma, and I need you to bring it to me Monday. And it's the Monday after... Uh, uh, I think it's Labor Day. It was in September or something, something like like in September. And you're going to bring this paperwork to me. And I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. I don't know what I'm doing in my life. So I drove up to the school, hour and a half, sat with this woman, Sarah Wilford. She said, fill this out, walk over to financial aid, walk over here, boom. Okay, classes start next week. And that's how I got into the master's program at Sarah Lawrence. I promise you. <laughs> I know it sounds bizarre and crazy, but it's just the way my life fell for me. And everybody literally said, we, you never know who's watching what you're doing, right? And that's what I tell my kids all the time. Like, you never know who's paying attention to how you move, how you react to certain things. Um, you know, who you're involved with, what you're involved with, what kind of person you really are. And all these people did, did, did these things for me because they all said, we see the type of person you are. And they took it upon themselves to help me, right? They became somebody in my village, right? I'm big on the village, helping, helping, helping to raise, right? They became part of my village. They saw something in me and they pointed me in a direction, a direction I had no idea. So I was in the master's program for teaching at Sarah Lawrence College, one of the best in the, in, in the East Coast. I didn't know. I never heard of Sarah Lawrence College before then, but that, <laughs> that's where, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, I was like, okay, so. Through that, I got the connections to get to where the school I'm at now, because that's where I student taught. And guess what? Guess how I got the job? They all said, oh, the woman, the woman um, here who I was covering for, she went on paternity leave. So they needed me like to sub for the classes while I was a student teacher because she left and to help the other teacher was coming in. 
So then I went, I left for a year. I graduated. I left for a year, worked somewhere else. I got a phone call saying, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm not comfortable at my current job. And they said, well, you have an interview next week. Come here and we're going to interview you. So I literally got on a train, interviewed. But I got, by the time I got off the train, I had the job. I was teaching in second grade. And that's how I wound up about just, so my life has just been like, you know, just a steady, like, <laughs> constant transition and stuff. Um, you know what? The haters <laughs> over there, the haters out there are going to say, oh, he just got lucky. But let's face it, it's not luck. It's just that people saw talent in you and you worked hard. I mean, you had a lot of experience when you got all these opportunities. It's, you were right. literally harvesting what you had planted before. Like right. it, it wasn't just like, oh, like you, somebody gave you a lucky break. Like you clearly you're, you didn't even need to send a resume because your work spoke for itself. And what people were saying about you spoke for itself. Right. Honestly, like I, I'm going to a bit of a tangent right now. Uh -huh. People think that your social media profile is the most important thing. It's how people assess you on a professional level. But I right. am of the idea that it's not. It's your work. It's the impression you make on people, the feedback that you get, how you implement that feedback, how, what do people have to say about you? What people, like, if, if you're top of mind, if you're really good at your job, you stay top of mind. And right. then if somebody says like, hey, I would be interested in looking for somebody new for this position, in your case, a coaching position. And then somebody else would say, hey, you know, Hey, Coach Johnson, there, there it is. Like he would be great at it. Like here, like, like you should check him out. Like here, like I trust him. I vouch for him. And who vouches for you is important too. It, it's yes. not. And many times we think like networking, it has to be like, oh, you have to be bootlicking or you have to be uh, like getting close or closing up with people in country clubs. It's not. It's just like if you do your job well, if you're good and passionate of your job, it will translate and you will and right. you're the perfect example of it if i may say so myself hey friend it's alex just interrupting this conversation to remind you that in order to have the optimal experience and enjoy all the links in the show notes you can subscribe to the show on any platform you're using to listen to this podcast and yeah it supports the show it will improve the algorithm for you so it would show you more shows like this one that you will potentially like And if you wish to support the show, you can follow us on social media. All the links are in the show notes, as well as a link to buy me a coffee, which, yeah, will help pay for the hosting. And I also love coffee. But enough of my babble. Let's get back to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It, uh, and it, my life has been full of that. I mean, I've just been so blessed and fortunate that people see my work. You know, they see my work ethic. They see who I am. And what's wonderful about it, I'm, beyond, I'm just being me. You know, I tell people I became a teacher so I didn't have to talk to adults. <laughs> you know, so I'm just being me. I'm just being my little silly self, working with the kids, trying to help them navigate and get through their lives. Um, and that's how I got into, like, I mean, fast forward, you know, that's how I got into coaching here. Uh, eight years ago, a woman saw me. I was literally, during my prep, watching film because I was flying out to go. Uh, Coach Rochester. Yes, I watched film on other teams to see what they do. I, your face said, "What is it?" I said, "Yeah, I watch film on other teams <laughs> to see what they do, so I can get an advantage." <laughs> But uh, she walks in. She goes, "Oh, how apropos!" So, are you interested in coaching uh, the youth here, the basketball team? I said, "Yeah, why not? I could do that. I just have to wait for my season to be over, and I'll do it." And it's like, "Oh, we have a parent who wants to do it." but just not fluent in basketball, but like really loves it. I said, okay, no problem. So I started out with 12 kids downstairs 
who knew nothing about basketball. Fast forward seven, eight years later, the program grew to 90 kids. I had four basketball programs, running club, women's weightlifting, and step program. <laughs> because that's, that's how lot. my mind worked. Yeah, well, that's a lot. Okay, so I try to give you like a little uh, insight into how my mind works, okay? I just came from a college program where that's what I saw. And I mm -hmm. saw success at that program, right? So how are children supposed to be prepared for something that they don't see and never saw? Right? My job mm -hmm. is to prepare them, right? A lot of coaches, what happens was when, when the kids got to the college, college level, you saw they were missing a lot of the basic skills because a lot of them were like the best kid in their town. So they didn't work on life skills. They didn't work on communication. They just got so used to, oh, you're good. Don't worry about it. But then when you're in a room of people who are just as good as you, what else do you have to offer? Where is your foundation? Where is your basis? So that's why youth basketball was so important. So what I did was my framework was how can I prepare them for college, right? How can I give them the skills to be able to play in college? What were my players missing that they needed? And that's how I started the program. And parents started to see that and people started donating money. And then I tried to find money. And, you know, a lot of it came out of my own pocket. And I had three other people uh, working with me. Uh, God bless Andre and his wife, Carla. And then my wife, my wife was the uh, academic advisor. So during practice, my wife would literally sit with kids and do their homework during practice to make sure they got their work done for class. I had one kid who never practiced. But I played him every game because he got his work done. And that was the only time he can get his work done. He left out of here with a 4-0. That means I did my job. See, it's not just about basketball. If you graduated out of here and you're successful in high school, I have, uh, I have a young lady. She went on to be a trumpet player, right? She's a trumpet player. She was a trumpet player at Juilliard and then now is doing it at Brooklyn College. I don't care what you do. Just be successful in what it is. It's just I use basketball as – the vehicle to get them going, right? I use basketball to teach them those skills and it just translated to everything else. That's why I love sports. That's why I, I, I'm just going to keep coming back to it. That's why I love <laughs> sports. You know, I got one kid, he's a, the president of the SGA at a college in upstate New York, you know? Yeah, I've got some people who, you know, they got scholarships to play basketball, but I have to tell the whole story. I got a kid who runs track. I don't run track. I don't care. You run track? Good. But you got a scholarship to go run track down in Florida. I did my job, right? I prepared you. Right? It's all about the preparation. So we have to be mindful of that when we, you know, when people start attacking sports and say all the negative stuff that goes on. It's not just about the entertainment aspect, man. We just gotta gotta prepare them. So unfortunately, the pandemic, you know, cut a lot of that out. And you know, like I said, I was at ninety students, and we were we were rocking it. We were rocking it in here, man. It was just very great for the community. Kids were graduating on time you know, with uh, grades that they can get into whatever high school they needed to, but also their self-esteem went up, right? Their sense of self went up. Their sense of community went up because they know they can always come back to me if they have an issue. I mean, a lot of them still call me. You know, a lot of them still call me um, and we talk and they give me a hard time now because they're old enough to give me a hard time. But, you know, but that's that's all part of it, right? You build that, you build that community and that's what you want at the end of the day. Exactly. And... Like going back to a couple episodes, I had uh, Mark Seuss and we were talking about how it feels to be critiqued in art school because he's um, he's a brand designer, but also like an art school teacher. 
It's yeah. like many times that happens to in, in creative fields. Like you come in from being the best drawer, like be the best designer, best illustrator of your town, of your, and then you show up in the room with people who are equally or more talented than you with a completely mm -hmm. different background. And it's that thing of being, what do I do here now? Um, right. and, and we're missing those life skills. And I think a lot of people are missing those life skills of, um, like you said, it's, you're not teaching them the sport itself. Like they're, they're gonna, they're gonna have fun. They're gonna enjoy it. And they're gonna like get physically fit and they're gonna get all the benefits, but also the benefits of learning how to win, learning how to lose, learning how mm -hmm. to rely on each other, to ask for help, to be okay with, Hey, this didn't work today. I will try it again tomorrow and see what happens. Right. And it sounds like there's a lot of also community involved in how you yeah. coach and how you propose it. And I will sustain, this is what a coach is. I am sorry, spirituality coaches or whatever other coaches I see on social media. You cannot just slap the name coach in front of your name because this is a coach right here. Like this is a person who is actually invested in the people he's coaching. So like I said, you're the OG. Everybody else is trash. And I uh. honestly... Honestly, I feel like most coaches today, the ones that I that at least I get, I don't know, messages from five coaches every like I even podcasting I get messages from at least three podcasting yeah. coaches every week. Oh, we see your show is growing. Do you want some help? I offer a coaching. Yeah. Snake oil salesmen and women. Yes. Women can also yeah. be snake oil sellers. Sellers, yeah. Yeah, L it's listen, it's it, that. Uh -huh. What okay, what's 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 happening is there's a disconnect. There's a big disconnect. And through my years, I used to have that disconnect, but now I, I'm realizing what it is. So in order to be a coach, you also have to be a teacher. There is no separation from them. There's no uh, fine line. Okay. It's all woven together. Okay. You have to be a teacher in order to coach. Now, coaching is a little bit different, right? When you think teacher, you think you're just sitting there you know, open your book, the page, blah, 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 right? But it's not about that. You have to be able to teach these life skills. You have to be able to teach, you know, the spirituality or whatever it is that you're talking about, right? But teaching meaning, if I teach you, so, like, for example, if I teach you something, right? And if you can't go back and tell somebody else what I said and be able to explain it, then I didn't teach you. You understood? I I didn't teach you well enough. I should be able, my skill should be that I teach you well enough that you go out into the world and when you go to talk to talk to it about it with somebody else, the other person understands without me there. That's what qualifies as a good teacher. Right? So what happens is a lot of these, a lot of these gurus or whatever, they have great information, right? They're very uh strong and understanding about what information they're giving you. But sometimes they're not teaching you it. They're just telling you about it. And then you have to go find out for yourself, right? Like, there's no story attached to it. There's no self-reflection from the teacher. There's no connection of why I'm telling you this information. It's just, here's the information. I think it's wonderful. Go use it. How does that, that doesn't help me, right? Like when I, when I, when I coach my kids, right? Let's say we're going over a play, whatever play it is, or a skill. I don't just give them the skill and say, you got to do it because I'm your coach and you got to go do it. 
right? It's up to me to tell them why they need it, right? What and what situation are you going to use this? So now I tell them what situation they're going to use it in. Then I give them the situation they're using it in. Then they develop a level of understanding. Then you don't need me anymore. I don't want, I don't want you to need me anymore. I want you to grow past me. I don't want you to have to need me to figure stuff out, right? I need you to get to a level of understanding where you get it. You don't need me. You just need me for refresher. Like I used to tell my kids all the time, I don't want to stand here and yell at you and put you in positions all the time. My job is to give you what you need. You develop a level of understanding and then you figure it out on your own. Okay. The best thing that ever happened to me, the best thing that happened to me as a coach, and I loved it. In the middle of a game, I call a play out and my point guard's dribbling the ball up and said, no coach, we're running this. We decided we're running this in the middle of the game. And I said, all right, well, you better not mess it up then. And then they ran it to perfection, and I went and sat down. That means I did my job. That means he felt comfortable enough to tell me, no, this is not what I see. This is not what's best for the team at the moment. This is what we need. And they were successful at it. And that made us better. That made them better because they didn't need me. My job then becomes, let me call timeout to settle y'all down because y'all a little out of control. Not to like put all the pieces together because you've under developed a level of understanding, a level of communication, a level of trust between all of you that I'm just here to make sure, you know, I'm the adult in the room because you guys are not old enough to be by yourselves. But then I did my job, right? They go out, <laughs> right? Just, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm just supervising <laughs> right here. And now like, I'm just supervising. Yeah. Right? You know, like now they're at the point now where other parents, younger uh, parents of younger students go to them now to help them. Hey, can you run a camp for us? Can you help with my child? do basketball drills and stuff like that, right? And they go, oh, okay, sure. And then the parents are sending me videos of them working with them, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, it's all the stuff I taught them. But they understand it at a level enough that they can go teach somewhere else, which means I, teacher, coach, did my job. You know, that, right? that's, yeah, there, there is this creative experiment in which um, if they do it for, what's it called, programmers? Because mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, but programmers are very into programming. They're they're sometimes not very good at explaining their things for other people, and they actually give them a little rubber duck. It's like explain mm -hmm. it to the duck. Explain mm -hmm. what you're doing to what the duck understand this. No, the duck is a designer. You're gonna explain it to them. They are smart as ducks. So right. find a way of and I believe that, I believe that if you truly understand something, no matter what it is, you can take it. You can explain it. You know that you know it when you can explain it to others and you can relate exactly. to somebody else in a way that they understand it because you can just repeat what you were taught. But if they don't understand, mm -hmm. they cannot answer questions that you don't really know the topic. And I, I think it's great. You know, I have a list of questions right here, but you have spontaneously gone through all of them <laughs> perfectly. And it's, I mean, I'm happy about it. I'm excited uh -huh. about it. You make my job so much easier. But still, it's like, I love it when I can sit back and just listen to an interview. Like I don't have mm -hmm. to guide it in any way. Not saying that I, I have to over that I have to over supervise other people, but right. I'm, I'm just saying I've, I'm enjoying this so much. And we have made it to the point that I'm going to ask you about the future of education. Mm. Like, what do you think is going to go next? Because let's face it, like you said, during during COVID nineteen, we couldn't do sports like much. Right. And if you wanted to, you had you could like 
the physical like technically you could find a video on youtube or you could like hold a chat telling people to run drills but that human to human connection that appears to be very important in your coaching and your teaching was gone so right. where do you think things will go where do you think things will develop how do we keep this teaching live lessons through another medium how do we keep that going what do you think okay so this is a very deep question for me and i'm, I'm not going to try to get too crazy <laughs> answering it we do um, deep questions here and we love deep moments and we love answers. <laughs> so feel free feel free to feel free okay so i want everybody to think about this real quick okay the current sixth grader right now the last time they were in school was in fourth grade okay the last time they were in school with physical people they're in fourth grade so they missed finding themselves at fourth grade they miss learning how to communicate as a fourth grader they missed the egocentrism in sports because fourth or fifth grade you start to recognize what you're good at and what you're not good at and how you can navigate that amongst friends and people in, in space that's what you figure out in fourth and fifth grade that's why i don't know if a lot of people watch on social media where you know the parents are filming their kids and there's kids that are running around jumping for joy and then you pan the camera to the left the kids in the corner crying right, with their head down because they don't want to be there, right, because they're, they fully recognize sense of self. So we're dealing with kids right now that have not met that, have not gotten that because they've been out of touch for two years, okay? Fast forward now, you have all of those things they missed, plus they have hormones and they like boys and girls. Oh, no, however you not, not the hormones. So imagine, imagine not really knowing sense of self plus with hormones. Are you ever going to be confident to approach anyone you're interested in? Any, any comment made and out of a middle schooler's mouth is going to be double times hurtful. So I want people to think about that just for a minute. Just think about that. So while you're sitting on that, I'll get to the sports aspect. Okay. Okay. How you feel about coaches is how I feel about trainers. Yes, somebody okay. shares my thoughts and feelings. Okay, now this doesn't go for all trainers because I did train and I know trainers. I know trainers personally. And I know trainers that put in the work, that really study, that work hard. Okay, but there are trainers out here who are just taking these parents' money away because they got the new trick. There is no new trick to basketball. There is no new skill to basketball. All of it is the same. Basketball has been out since 19 whatever, okay? 1900 whatever. I, it's a shame I should know the year. You can make fun of me and I don't know the year, whatever. You all know what I'm talking about, okay? The fact is things have not changed. We have more access to stuff now because of social media, because it's become a global game, because we have videos and all this other stuff we could record, okay? So everyone out there, be mindful of the trainer that you send your children to. Be mindful of the uh, where they worked, who they work with. Are they reputable? You know, who's in their contacts, like really in their contacts, okay? I can sit up here and tell you I know Danny Green, but I, I can't call him, right? I can tell you I, I know Nick Collison. These are all basketball players. I can tell you I know Nick Collison because I shook his hand. Don't mean I could call him. 
See, a lot of these trainers will do that. I know such and such. Yeah, I know a lot of NBA dudes. I took in pictures with Delonte West and Jeff Green and all these people. I look Kevin Durant. So that don't mean anything. So you got to. I mean, mean, technically, I went to a Lizzo concert and she touched my hand. I don't say (laughs) that I know Lizzo. But there will be people that be like, I know her. Because they were that close to her. People suck. Exactly. Exactly. So be mindful of, you know, you know, vet vet people out because they're dealing with your children. You you want to send your you want to send your child to some rinky dink school or daycare, so don't send them to some rinky dink coach who halfway knows what they're talking about. Vet them out, find out who they know, ask questions. Um. So I probably went off the rails with your question, but no, so no, the, no, no. It's, it's, where I think where I think sports is now is that we've we've turned everything to the highlight tape and we refuse to put the work in. Like everything now on social media is about the highlight, but they don't show you the hours of work that 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 kid or that person put in in the gym to get to where they are now, where they can do that 360 move, where they can hit five three-pointers in a row stepping back. They don't show that work. So now our kids are thinking like, this is supposed to just naturally happen. I got to make the highlight tape. Coaches don't care about your highlight tape. Coaches don't care about your highlight tape. You could literally walk in the gym and you could do a 360 dunk. And coaches will raise their eyebrows like, oh, this kid is good. But then as soon as the defense is on you, you can't dribble up the court. They're just going to ask you to leave because you're wasting time. So work on your basic grassroots skills. It's so important. It's so vital. Don't get caught up in being the next TikTok ESPN Bleacher Report superstar, okay? That's not realistic, okay? Do the work to get in the door. Coaches will see the real you if you put the work in. People will see the real work in you if you put the work in. You know, and I just think it's a shame that we're in this culture, right? And in seven seconds, right? The seven second clip of somebody going between their legs real quick and doing the move. Ooh, I'm going to do that. No. Learn how to dribble first. Learn how to set your feet. Like, it's just the basics are just so gone. I think we just got to get back to that or else we're going to be in big trouble. And you know what? That translates to so many other aspects of life. I, I think many times parents are terrified because they see like the perfect mommy blocks, like the the mom mm-hmm. who has 16 kids and they're all perfectly dressed and coiffed, but they didn't realize like she probably woke up at 3 a.m. to get them ready for school. Mm-hmm. Or as a designer, you see these perfect, amazing projects and you think, motherfuckers, like they're so much better. Mm-hmm. You, I like, maybe they are, maybe they're not, maybe it's fake. I don't know, like, but I don't mm-hmm. see the hours of work that went behind what they put out. I don't see their dedication. I remember when I was in uh, art school in Germany, actually, um, everybody was complaining. Uh, it was, eight women and one man <laughs> and that mm. poor man um he like everybody was complaining because he got the best marks then we like the best marks in the class and the teacher was males so they were saying like oh yeah it's like male domination he has a preference for males and i thought no i know martin and i know mm. that he spends all afternoon on school like we leave here and we're chilling like he actually puts in the work to do this so it's not male privilege it's like he puts more work in it than we do I love that. I, I love your thoughts. I love how you answered the question. I think it's a perfect answer that I haven't gotten yet. So I'm very excited about it. But now we are making it to the end of the interview. I don't want to take too much of your day. I want to know what you would recommend. Is there a movie, a biography, a book, a album, whatever? What would you recommend people listen to to develop life skills through sports or whatever? What would you recommend? Wow. I wasn't prepared for this question. 
It's fine. Take your time. Uh, I'm going to edit this out. It's fine. I'm going to uh, make okay. it look in the edit like you had like 20 things already listed out. Don't worry about it. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I don't know about 20 things. Um, oh, I recommend just sitting and watching old NBA games, like from the 80s and 90s. Okay. And I want you to watch. Don't watch the game. Watch the footwork. Watch how spread the floor is. Watch how they pass the ball to each other. Watch the body movement. Okay, don't just watch individual. You could watch individual players, how they do certain moves. Because listen, I used to sit and watch and steal everybody's move. I'm like a compilation of like 25 different basketball players. Um, But, you know, because I stole everybody's move. But I just want you to sit and just watch the game and analyze what's going on. Because I think that's, at the time, like good NBA basketball, just to watch for like plays and, you know, uh, minimal isolations. I mean, isolations happen. It's just going to happen. But also watch a lot of college basketball. See, college basketball, there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of play calling. There's a lot of action. You know what? I'm going to switch that. Watch a lot of college basketball. Find any old college basketball games. A good team to watch is Villanova, and I'm only plugging that in because I love Villanova, and that's where I steal all my stuff from. Um, but watch watch college game. And, hey, I'm going to say it here. Watch the women's game. Listen, I've stolen some stuff from Gino Oriamo. I've stolen stuff from the coach from Baylor. Look, they run some great sets to get people open. You know, a lot of teamwork happens. Uh, the women's game is evolved. Uh, I'm glad it's being put on front street. It's being noticed. It's being watched. Um, these players, these athletes are amazing. Um, and I'm so happy for them. But it's also high-level basketball to watch. Like, the only thing, the only difference between men's and women's basketball is that the women don't dunk consistently. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like it's it's literally like as a basketball purist, like watching it, they it, the stuff is the same. They shoot long range three pointers. You know they go between the leg crossovers, but they actually run their sets a little bit crisper. And this is why mm-hmm. men rely on athleticism to get them through. Right? It's just men rely on athleticism. So it's like even if this thing doesn't work out, I'm just gonna use my athleticism against you. And hope for the best. And that's where like that brute force thing comes comes in, right? Women think things through, right? They take their time, they slow themselves down, and they're thinking. So you're watching them think as plays are developing, and then you see the counter, and then you see the counter to the counter, and then you see the back door, and he's just watching this game. And I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. So as a coach, as I'm watching the game, four plays in, I'm like, oh my God, that girl's gonna be open. Because I just know, right, like after you know, watching it for so much and playing it for so long, I just know when somebody's going to be open, you know, 15 seconds before it happens. You know, if she comes back, though, she's going to be open. And sure enough, they're open. But I'm also a freak of nature. And I just I watch and consume too much basketball and I overanalyze and everything. And I can't watch a game to enjoy it. Like I'm always breaking something down. But um, you know what? That reminded me of my grandma. My uh-huh. grandma is a chef and she cannot uh-huh. just enjoy a meal. She or she breaks it down and she overanalyzes it. <laughs> But yeah. I love that. I love that almost it, it tells me that you analyze the game at, at an almost scientific level. And we don't think yeah. about that. We don't we don't like you most people say like, yeah, dunking and stuff like that. But you're putting it into a completely different context that we should admire. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that yeah. you're bringing that to 
my attention. I will definitely like, go there. And, like I am always mesmerized by people's athleticism. It's mm. like, how are they doing that from a point of, wow, that is magical. But now I'm going to look, I'm going to look at, I, I'm going to see if I can try to, for a women's basketball game, see if I can try to follow the strategy, find the strategy. Yes. Just like life, right? We got to center ourselves before we reach out and do whatever we got to do. All of that stuff is connected. We just have to find the connection. That's a great place to end this episode. Uh, that's going to be the quote over the episode, I think, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much, Coach Johnson. And, and where can people find you? Like, what can you recommend? Use this plug now, this space to just share what uh, you're doing, please. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, and we got the times right this time. <laughs> um, Damn it, I wasn't supposed to go on the show, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's, oh. it's all part of the podcasting life. I always like every time the call breaks, I, I leave it on the show because I don't want people to think like all episodes are perfect. They're not. Right. Sometimes not. things happen, but right. this took a little while to organize because time zones are confusing. confusing. I am. Yeah. I will go. This is the hill I'm choosing. Time zones are confusing. <laughs> so you can find me. I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, I do a lot of uh, parenting tips and advice. And I also throw a little comedy in there because parenting is funny. You know, I, I've got three kids and I'm learning along the way, <laughs> you know, and I, and one of those things is like, once I figure something out, I'd like to share it because I think we're all part of the village, the global village, right? This is, we help each other raise each other's kids and uh, why not share? because somebody along the line will give me a tip that I'll use. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. It's at acoachcam.com. That's A-Y-E, coachcam.com. The reason I use that name, people ask, is because usually they say, hey, coach. So that just became my uh, my little thing. So they can find me at acoachcam. Uh, also, uh, I have the podcast. It's called Our Village Stories, Parenting Through Passion and Grit. Um I recently did a rebrand. I did, it was called Haywood that I missed, but I rebranded it to Our Village Stories because we're all part of the village and every ha everybody has a story that they can share. We use that to help raise our children, to get ahead in life and make them uh, not feel like that they're alone, you know, and also give some parenting tips because parents are struggling, you know, trying not to parent through their trauma and, you know, relive their lives through their children, you know, so it's important that we open that space to everybody to share their stories. I tell everybody to light their lantern, you know, like the old times and share our stories. So our village stories, parenting through passion and grit, you can find on YouTube or Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> and it will be linked at the, in the show notes of this episode. So thank you so much, coach. I, Hey coach. Yeah. Thank you. It feels, <laughs> it feels natural. It feels right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was really great and I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining us in this first episode of season two. I genuinely wholeheartedly hope that you enjoyed it because it was just a great conversation. It's one of those episodes that I don't have to edit a lot. And I kind of love that. I said that in the episode, but I'm saying it again. You'll find all the links to coaches, information to his podcast. Everything is in the show notes below. So please go check it out. And yeah, just do that. Cool. Cool. Thanks. And as we come to the end of the show, I want to say thank you for joining me on another episode and giving me your time. I hope you're enjoying these conversations. Please subscribe to the show, give it a review or give us feedback. It's always welcome. 
Are there questions you would like to ask creatives or do you have somebody you would like to recommend for the show? You can reach out to me on social media or email, which is all linked in the show notes. Also, special thank you to Anne Catherine and Marcus for supporting the show through Buy Me a Coffee. Love you guys and I appreciate the encouragement. Also, thank you to Ro Haltheide for the music for this show and to Immaculate Lemarin for her help proofreading the transcripts and helping keep the podcast as accessible as possible. To close, thank you for listening again this week and I hope to be back in your ears very soon. Until then, keep learning and stay curious. Bye.